okay, so wow, I should not have gotten the decaf coffee. I should have gone for the loaded stuff today, right? I mean, somebody gave me a bang or a Mountain Dew or a five-hour energy, some uh, something, right? Some energy in here. Shades, man, it's great to be with you guys tonight and to celebrate what God is already up to and doing in, uh, in your midst. And so uh, I'm Chip Henderson. I'm coming from Mississippi across the uh, state line over there. And uh, I'm sure they can feel the energy in uh, Meridian or somewhere at least uh, from what you guys are bringing tonight. It's just great to be here with you and, uh, and to worship the Lord who is with us, right? He sees you, that last song we just sang. Uh, that he won't fail you. And we're here at a global impact conference and uh, everybody's excited about world mission. But I want you to know that Jesus sees you. And uh, it may be hard for you to get excited tonight because of what you heard today on the news, what the doctor told you in a visit, what one of your friends gave you a breakup letter or whatever that was. It may be hard for you, but I, I want you to know that the Lord sees you and he's with us. And he has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives. And so I hope and pray tonight that beyond hearing somebody come and give a sermon, right? Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm giving a sermon. That's not really what I want to do. What I hope, hope happens is for a few minutes as we've been encountering God through worship, as we've been celebrating some incredible partners, my hope is that now through the worship of the word that the Holy Spirit might whisper something to you, that, that he desires to draw you into himself and then in that relationship and out of that relationship, launch you into the thing that he put you on this planet to do according to his plan. Fair enough? So I'm going to do my best to open the scripture here with you in just a moment and, and impart to you what I think God has given to me to say to you guys for tonight. But I hope and pray that you'll receive it as just a word that God has to you. And over the next three or four days, as you're all meeting, I think tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this is an opportunity for you to encounter the Lord and for him to, to truly change the trajectory of your life, but to change the trajectory of eternity for you and many other folks, okay? So uh, I want to talk to you tonight about an impossible mission, right? How many of y'all like the Mission Impossible movies? Anybody like the Mission Impossible movies? All right, the young people like the Mission Impossible movies. How many of y'all remember the Mission Impossible television show? Right now, that's the real Mission Impossible fans, right there. Right, the show starts, the movie starts almost the exact same way every time. Mr. Phelps, or in this case, you know, Tom Cruise, say, hey, There's a mission, and if you have enough guts to actually take on this mission, this is what the mission is. And the mission is then some impossible thing that, that Tom Cruise or Mr. Phelps was supposed to be able to do. Well, Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, gives his disciples an impossible mission, okay? This is the way it sounds in the scripture. You've heard it before, but I want you to lean in tonight to hear it as your mission, as God's call on every student, every college student, every young adult, every senior adult. I want you to hear it as maybe the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The scripture says this in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came up and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, those verses are called the Great Commission, okay? The Great Commission. Barna Research tells us that 51% of churchgoers say they've never heard of it, all right? 
Y'all ought to say, oh my. Right? That, 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 you don't amen that. You go, good Lord, what the heck's going on in some places if 51% of people who go to church never heard the Great Commission? 25% of churchgoers say they heard of it, but they don't know what it means or where it's found. Only 17% of churchgoers know what it is, where it's found, and what it means. So here's what I'm saying to you. If somebody from Barna Research calls and asks you about the Great Commission, you either say yes or say I'm supposed to because some little short preacher told me one time what it was, all right? So, so I want you to know this is the Great Commission, and it's repeated in all four Gospels in one form or another. It's repeated in the book of Acts. Even Paul in his letters tries to help you understand what God wants you to do. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are his ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God, check this out, is making an appeal through us. You think, man, I don't know if I want to talk to him about Christ or not. It's God using you to make an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the mission, right? The mission. Take this message of Jesus to the whole world. Now, I think we have reduced this, this mission to going on mission trips. Whether that's a mission trip to inner city in Birmingham or going to a mission trip to a church planter partner somewhere in the U.S. or going you know, to South America or Europe or wherever, we've, we've reduced missions to going on a mission trip. And let me say, I'm for mission trips. George, I'm for mission trips. Okay, so if you feel called to go on a mission trip, that is awesome. You need to go. When you go on a mission trip, you do so much good for the people that you're helping. You do so much good for the missionaries, for the church planters and the people who are down there trying to make things happen. And when you come, you show up, you bring life, you bring them encouragement, you let them know they're seen. So you need to go. But when you go and you do good and you're encouraging, God's going to stretch you. And God's going to fill your heart with gratitude when you realize how blessed you are living here. And I think this is Vestavia Hills. You're blessed. Hey, it's a, it's a perspective shift. If you get outside this bubble in Birmingham and see how the rest of the world is living or not living, it's a perspective shift. Don't hear me say I'm not for mission trips. Go, man, go on mission trips. But I want you to know that the mission is more than just a mission trip. For some of you, God's calling you as a way of life to live as a missionary, to go and for the rest of your life, be a missionary in some place or to start a mission or to go start a church. Some of you college students, high school kids, when you get out of college and you're looking for a career, go somewhere where somebody's trying to start a church and help them for a couple of years. Be a journeyman for two years. Go give your life on mission. It's more than a mission trip. Yeah, I went on a mission trip one time. I'm about mission. No, go on a mission trip, but know that for some of us, it's more than that. You with me? But for some of you, it's in a way more and, and less than that at the same time. What I want to submit to you is that you don't have to actually go on a mission trip to be doing missions. Like, y'all agree with that or not? You don't actually have to go on a mission trip to do missions because what Jesus is saying is actually as you go. Like, this is just the way you roll. This is the way you get down, young people. Like, this is your way of life. Right? This is the way we live as we're going, as we're going where? As you go to Target, as you go to the gym, 
as you go play golf, as you go to vacation on 30A, wherever you go, you're on mission. I got an email from a guy once who's, who's not a part of our church. But he said, I've been listening to your messages. And the reason I'm listening to your messages is because the guy I work out with and who trains me, his life's been so altered. I wanted to know what it was he's got. So, so the guy who goes to our church, who's training and working out with him, he's just being a missionary right where he is and said, man, you need to know how God's changing my life. My mom's in poor health right now. She's been in and out of hospitals and different places. She spent a month in a rehab uh, facility. And every, every doctor, nurse, or healthcare provider that came into my mom's room, she said, now where do you go to church? Do you know Jesus? Come here, girl, let me pray for you. Look, my mom was prayed up half of Jackson, Mississippi, all right? And I'm just telling you, she, she, at this point in her life, she, she's about to meet Jesus, y'all. She's about to meet Jesus. And everybody that walks in that room, she's wanting them to know the most important thing you can know is having a relationship with Jesus. I'm thinking about a small group that was going around, you know, they're, re, they're introducing each other, you know, who are you and what do you do? And this, this guy says he's Jim and he's an engineer. That girl, you know, Sally, she works at the bank. This older lady said, well, uh, I'm a missionary cleverly disguised as a, as a greeter at Walmart. Right, come on, do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as a missionary at your bank, at your law firm? Do you see yourself as a person who just lives your life on mission as you go? It's just what you do. It's, a, it's all that you have your mind on. And so you're looking for, Shades, you're looking for divine appointments at school. Which one of your friends looks like they're, man, they're sad? Who's sitting by themselves? Who doesn't have a friend group? Who's been pushed out? Who do you know just got broke up with or who's hurting? You're looking for those opportunities to step into those places, right? So some of you are doing that. You're already going and telling, but let's be honest. A lot of us, we sing a whole lot more about it. We clap a whole lot more about it. And we're not really going or telling. And you wonder why. Come on, y'all Y'all know that, right? We know we should, but we don't. And why isn't that? I think sometimes we're just scared. Come on, anybody say, okay, that's me. Anybody just raise a hand sometimes. Thank you. We got three people telling the truth. The rest of y'all lying. Come on. The rest of y'all need to come on and join up in here. Of course we get scared. We get scared. Are they going to accept me or not? Are they going to, in this day and time, or you know, are they going to go off on me? Am I going to get canceled? We're scared. Sometimes we don't want to tell because we don't know enough. Oh my gosh, I just don't know enough. If I knew as much as Pastor George, you know, maybe, maybe I could share my faith. If I knew as much as these church planners, maybe I'd share my faith. I don't know enough. I, I, I don't really know how to do it. All those things keep us locked down. Sometimes the real answer is, I'm good. I'm good. Now, me and Jesus, we're good. I got what I need. Me and my family, we're rolling. We're good. And so, I mean, you know, why would I want to go out of my way? Why would I want to disrupt my life, you know, and be uncomfortable? Now, here's what I want to say to you. If you're in the I'm good camp, and, I, and I'm telling you as a pastor, it's easy for me to fall into the I'm good camp. Okay, so I'm not hating on anybody. I'm saying, can we acknowledge that at times we can fall into these various places where we're like, you know, no, I'm good. My life's fine right now. But what I'm constantly reminded of by the Lord is that this spirit life is not about me. It's about Christ in me even more. It's about Christ not only in me, but Christ through me. Come on, you're not a consumer. You're a distributor. You're not a reservoir holding it all to yourself. You're a river through whom the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring life to this world. 
You are a light bearer. You are a kingdom bringer. That's who you are. And so, yes, yes, you experience Christ. Yes, man, you and God, they'll have an amazing quiet time. Wow, the Bible reading this morning was amazing, God. Yes, prayer time. Now, how can you pass that on? I'm good. I'm good. And, and, a, and a friend of I'm good is, man, I, why would I want to mess up anybody else's life? Now, come on, kids, this is, this is a real one for you. Because the way culture has painted Christianity, it's a bore, it's a guilt trip, it just brings condemnation, the real fun's out there, all my friends are having a great time, so why would I want to mess up their fun by telling them about Jesus, and, and then they'll have to come to church all the time? Like we, you, again, I know y'all would never say this out loud, but there is this thing inside of us which thinks, man, do I really want to mess somebody's life up like that. Now, can I tell you the straight up truth? The reason your friends are into sex, drugs, and rock and roll is because they're not having a good time. They're numbing pain, many of them. They're battling with anxiety. They're battling with fear. They're battling with worry. They're struggling to make sense of their own life, and they don't have the hope you have. They don't have the answer that you have. They don't know the truth that you know. You're not going to jack anybody's life up. You just might save it. So why should you then? Why should you tonight say, Holy Spirit, okay, if that's the mission to, to take the, the message to the world and, and, and you're going to take it to wherever your corner of the world is, why should you do that? And, and here's why I think you should do that. I think you should be open to it because you got to love somebody. I mean, do you, do you, is there anybody on the, on the planet that you love enough to tell them the truth, to give what you have? I, I heard about this couple who were celebrating their 23rd wedding anniversary, Cesar and Monica Calais celebrated their 23rd wedding anniversary, and for their wedding anniversary gift, Cesar gave to Monica a gift like none other. He gave her one of his kidneys. She suffered from polycystic kidney disease, endured dialysis for, for years and years, and in December of 2017, doctors discovered, I've actually got a picture of them, I think, Okay. In 2017, discovered that he was actually a match for kidney donor for him. So on their 23rd anniversary, February the 19th, 2018, he gave her a kidney. Come on, somebody say, wow. Oh, man, that's love. I mean, the dude gave her a kidney for their anniversary. Makes you feel bad now, don't it, dude, for what you gave. Man, dude gave her a kidney. Your, your, your spouse won't even call you back. I mean, what's up? Right? Now, why would he do that? Why do you think he would give his wife his kidney? Because without it, she has no hope, and she has no life, and because he loves her, and love gives. That's what Jesus taught us. Love gives. Jesus gave what he had. He gave to us, and so part of our prayer may need to be at this conference is to say, Jesus, would you give me love in my heart for the people in my school, at my workplace, in my community, in the nation or the nations? God, break my heart with love because they're dying. We're all diseased. Have you, have you read this book? Have you read what it says? That since sin entered the world and the fall of mankind, that the world is now under a hostile ruler, 
a malevolent ruler, one who does not like us, who keeps us held captive in sin and death and shame and darkness, in oppression, in discouragement. And that's reality. Jesus came. He came to give you an alternate reality. When he says in Matthew 28, 18, after he has lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death, died for our sins, right? Buried and then raised triumphantly before he ascends into heaven. He says, all authority has now been given to me. Now, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Jesus came to wage spiritual war. He came to take back what the enemy stole. He came to make a way for the dead to have life, for the hopeless to have hope for those diseased and held captive by sin to be healed and free. And so when the enemy tempted him, y'all remember when the enemy tempted him in the wilderness and he he tempted him, you know, if you'll just bow down to me, I will give you all these worlds and their dominions. Jesus said, don't think so, bro. Why? Because Jesus was about to say, I'm going to take all these worlds and all their dominions and your power to Satan. Please don't miss what he's doing. Jesus standing strong against temptation, following the Father's will, resisting the enemy, allowed him to break the curse of sin, death, hell, and the grave forever. And so what we have is now a message of hope. We're not ruining anybody's life. Come on, we're not ruining people's lives. We're welcoming them into an alternate reality where they have love, joy, peace, power, purpose. That's it. Y'all probably have seen the three circles, what we call the three circle salvation drawing at our church. We have lots of three circle drawings. I don't know if y'all know this one or not. It's not original to us. We totally are ripping it off from whoever created it. But it just says, if you start in the upper left-hand corner, God's design in Genesis 1 and 2 is that every single one of us would live in perfect peace with him, perfect peace with our within our own hearts, perfect harmony with one another, in love, in joy, with purpose, in authority. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 tell us. But then Adam and Eve chose to sin, and it led to brokenness. And that's where the enemy, that's where Satan rules over us and keeps us locked down in shame and guilt and division and hatred and all those things. And because we couldn't get back there, get back to God's design on our own, try as we might, look as we might, nothing can fill that brokenness. Nothing can pay that debt. God sent his son, Jesus. It's called the gospel. It's the good news. And if you'll repent and believe that Jesus is God's son and he came and he paid for your sins and he broke the power of the curse so that he could restore you, help you recover and pursue God's design. This is what I want you to hear, Shades. Salvation doesn't mean you go to heaven one day. You do. But salvation is heaven right now. Am I preaching to anybody? Anybody hear me? It's heaven right now. You get a brand new kind of life right now. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 reads like this. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus does forgive you, but he transfers you from a life of slavery and servitude to the enemy, to darkness, to sin and death. And he transfers you into the kingdom of light, a brand new life. Y'all with me? Let me, I'll, I'll say it like this. Alabama and Auburn is kind of a big thing around here, I hear. And so I won't pretend to act like I know which one's bad. But whichever one was bad, in your mind. God's given you an opportunity to get off the bad team, get on the good team. 
Y'all feel me? I don't want to offend anybody and, and cut the global missions offering in half because the preacher offends half the, half the room talking about Alabama or Auburn. But, but y'all feel me? Y'all see, hear what I'm saying? There was a time when you were held captive on the wrong team and Jesus made a way for you to be transferred to a new team. You were held in darkness. Jesus, by his resurrection, crucifixion, death, death burial, and resurrection, he's made it possible for you now to live on the, on, in the light. And so I'm saying to you, God, you're not ruining anybody's life. You're actually inviting them into hope. You're inviting them into life. Why are you worried about looking silly? What are you afraid of? God's not asking you to give a kidney. He's asking you to give hope. You can. And so your prayer may need to be tonight, Jesus, would you just fill my heart with enough love for somebody that I would be willing to tell them about you. That's one reason. Man, I just love, I love my, I love people. Here's another reason that you, I think, should accept this mission is you're a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple of Jesus. Verse 19, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, check this out, all that I commanded you. In other words, Jesus had imparted life to his disciples, and now he's saying to his disciples, take what I gave you and go give it to them. Y'all tracking with that? Take what, I, what I've taught you. You come to church, you learn, you're growing, you're, you're in your word every day, you're learning. Now go give it away to somebody else. At Pine Lake, the way we define a disciple is somebody who is learning from Christ, living in Christ, and then leading others to Christ. If you're learning but you're not living or leading, you're not truly fulfilling the definition of a disciple. If you're, listen, listen, if you're learning and living but not leading, you're still not fully living out the call of a disciple. You're not fully a disciple of Christ as the scripture defines it until you are learning from Christ, living in Christ, and then leading other people to Christ as well. How many of y'all, whenever you were a kid, somebody called you a bad name and you would say, takes one to know one, anybody? Is that just old school? Does that travel across state lines? I don't even know. Takes one to know one. Okay, when it comes to a disciple, takes one to make one. You can't give what you don't have. You can't share what you don't know. And so Christ is saying to you, if he's imparted to you life, give it away. I don't have to ask a hunter if he has pictures of deer on his phone. My man's like, dude, you ain't gonna believe this, right? I don't have to ask a grandparent if they have grandkids. Y'all won't shut up. <laughs> you don't have to ask somebody from Mississippi if we have duct tape. Everything's duct tape in Mississippi, okay? So just assume it's true. That's the way we get down, right? So when it comes to you sharing your faith, all I'm saying is what you have, give away. Let it be who you are. We're beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. That's all you have to be. You don't have to be super spiritual, a super saint, or super educated. All you have to be is in love with Jesus and walking with him each day and say, this is my story. You're a follower of Jesus. You have something to share. And so we tell this good news, this gospel of the kingdom, as it's called, this new alternate reality we're inviting people to live in as we live in it. And so we tell people 
the good news. The gospel simply means good news. I don't want to go all Greek on y'all or geek on y'all, but the, the word gospel in Greek is euangelion. It's a compound word. U meaning good, angelos meaning message. It's the good message. That's what gospel literally means. It's a good message. And so we want to go give a good message. If you had a good meal, you'd tell somebody where you ate it. If your team wins a game, you're going to tell somebody about it. Post, hashtag, happy. right? You got good news. You got the best news ever. Christ has paid for the sins of the world, and all we have to do is say yes to the gift. Invite him to transform us, and he will, because he's good like that. And you get to share that message. There's a 16-year-old kid Pine Lake named Evan. He shared the three-circle drawing with one of his friends at school, and his friend accepted Christ. He told his mom it was better than scoring a touchdown in football. I hope you know that joy of just sharing the gospel, your life, your love with people, baptizing them, right? Jesus said, go and, and, and make disciples, right? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is like, uh, that's like initiation, y'all. B- baptism doesn't save you. I don't believe baptism saves you. Right? Jesus saves you. Right? Somebody say amen to that. Okay, thank you, because it's Jesus, faith alone in Christ alone saves us, right? But if he lets you live, after accepting him, you should get baptized. Why? Because that's where you say in the water, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of the living God. He is my risen Lord and Savior. Y'all baptize here, George? Y'all do? Y'all baptize here. All right. I guess y'all baptize right up there, right? I guess that's where y'all do it. Now, I don't know if y'all do it this way at your church, this way we get down at our church. When somebody's in a baptistry, we tell their story or either they tell their story. And we just don't tell every graphic detail, but, you know, this is, you know, Chip's life. Raised in a pastor's home, thought that because he went to church all of his life, he would go to heaven whenever he died. But he was a really rebellious kid, cussed like a sailor, ran from God, until one day in a church service just like this, the pastor said, your mom and dad can't get you into heaven. Going to church can't get you into heaven. Only Jesus can get you into heaven. Your sin debt's too great. And unless you have Jesus in your heart, you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to not have a relationship with Jesus. You're going to hell. But you can turn to Christ and receive Christ. And he did in that moment. And his life's been a journey since then, lots of highs and lows. But God's been so faithful to see him through, brought him out of dark times, seen him through some wilderness wandering, but God's right brought him home. And he's here today to make his testimony and confession before you. We just tell a story like that. And then we ask them to make their good confession, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Here's what happens every time we have a baptism story. Somebody out there goes, wow, me too. And I would submit to you that your baptism is missions. You're telling your story. And for some of you, you've wrestled with being baptized. You know that you accepted, you got baptized maybe at a young age, but you accept, you truly believe you got saved later, but you've been too embarrassed to really get baptized, right? And you're still going to go to heaven. But I'm saying what a testimony it could be for you to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and this is my story. Maybe you need to do that. And then teaching them to observe whatever I've taught you. That's what he says. Baptize them and then teach them. Don't, don't think that missions is just we got them saved and leave them alone. That's what's wrong with the church right now. We got to grow them up. 
We gotta grow people up. Missions is it's about discipleship, growing people up. Chris and I, my friend, were driving over here today. We were talking about the shows we used to watch on Saturday morning. Chris was raised in Tupelo. He said, if you got enough tinfoil on the antenna and pointed it just right, he could pick up Birmingham. And we talked about the shows we would watch and different things. And I said, man, you remember the show Beverly Hillbillies? Any of y'all remember Beverly Hillbillies? Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed, poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food up through the ground. Came a bubbling crude, oil that is, black gold, Texas tea. Well, the next thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Kent folks said Jed moved away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be. So he loaded up the truck and he moved to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars, right? Come on, bang, 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 bang. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Right. So the song says, Jed became a millionaire the day he discovered the oil. I think that's wrong. Jed became a millionaire the day he bought the land. He just didn't know he was a millionaire yet. The oil was sitting there, waiting to be discovered. He didn't know what he really had. He had treasure beyond his wildest dreams. He's living like a broke man. I'm saying to you, every spiritual gift in the heavenly realm has been given to you in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1.3, and yet you're living spiritually destitute and broke. Come on, learn what you have and then go tell somebody, listen, this life in Christ is better than you can imagine. Come on, be a disciple of Christ. That's who you are. That's who you are. And here's the, last, here's the last reason. I got two minutes. You can do this. Every time on Mission Impossible, it's, a, it's an impossible mission. And the guy says at the end of the deal, hey, if you don't want to do this mission or if you get caught, just know we disavow you. You're on your own. That's what he says every time. And yet Jesus, when he gives you this impossible mission, he says in Matthew 28, 20, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. He'll never leave you alone. You'll never go to school without Jesus. You'll never go to work without Jesus. You'll never go to the mission field or a mission trip without the Holy Spirit right there with you. And he'll give you exactly what you need to say in the hour you need to say it. That's a promise from God. I was in the gym one day and a girl asked me, are you the preacher at Pine Lake? I said, I sure am. You ever want to come to church? We'd love to have you. She said, I won't come to church. I'm not really a fan of God. And I said, well, that's okay. God's a really big fan of you. I have no idea where that came from. I've never said that to anybody else in my life. But it's true. God loves her, doesn't he? He'll give you the exact word you need in the exact moment that you need it. That's what he does. And God is going to meet you and validate the message. I'm convinced that the times that our church has been on mission trips, we've seen more miracles than we see whenever we're just having church on Sunday. Holy Spirit's still the same. The power of God's still the same. Let's get out there and get on mission and watch the Holy Spirit meet us. And I would say to you that we plant the seed and the Spirit of God will meet us. He will bring conviction. He's the one who will help that person understand what we're trying to say and then bring it to life. My son, Reagan, is a, is a college student at Liberty. He's a sophomore. And uh, he all my kids, I made all my kids um, get jobs when they go to college. And so uh, that's, a good, that's a good thing, ain't it, George? That's what I'm saying. That's gospel right there, brother. 
right? Made them because because I, I I don't want them to waste a bunch of time. There's lots of reasons. I'll save you all that. I'm out of time already. But my son Reagan, he, so he got a job at Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, y'all feel me? Y'all feeling him? He's been working four days. <laughs> He's been at work four days, and he sent my family this message in a group text. Praising God, I got to lead my boss in accepting Jesus tonight at Papa John's of all places. My daughter Rachel's like, what? That's amazing. Need a story time. Mackenzie's like, what? <laughs> Sophomore in college, just out there trying to hustle, but he sees his 40-something-year-old manager and engages him with the love of God. When Lance Armstrong started Live Strong Foundations, raised millions of dollars for cancer research, we won't go into his story, but he was asked one time, before he was exposed as using steroids, he, he, he was asked, why do, why do you raise money for cancer research? And he said, it's the obligation of the cured. We've been cured. We have the answer. We have the truth. And so let's share that truth. Isaiah was touched by God, cleansed. And then God said, who could I send? Isaiah's like me. Me. And I pray, Shades, that over the next couple of days, you do more than attend the conference. I pray that you encounter Jesus and with open hands and an open heart, say, God, what do you want to do in my life and through my life? And may he guide you on this impossible mission. Come on, across the room, could I lead you to pray just for a moment tonight? You may think I'm not really the missionary type. I'm saying you don't know that. You don't know that. You may be a missionary cleverly disguised as a lawyer, as a nurse, as a student. But would you step into who Jesus says you are? Forgiven. Free. His child. Called. Don't worry about what somebody else's calling looks like. Would you just say, God, you've been good to me. How would you have me live my life? And so, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you fill us with your love? Would you give us spirit awareness to be sensitive to you about maybe going on a mission trip, maybe even calling us to missions or church planting or investing our lives to help a mission partner or someone who's planting a church. Father, would you stir within us more than just the American dream of making money and retiring rich. God, would you help us to see this life is a gift and it's a calling and a trust. And so, Lord, would you help us to leverage this life for this mission. We trust you, Jesus. Have your way in these days. Holy Spirit, have freedom in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, would you stand with us? We're going to worship.